welcome to the Park Road Podcast for August 9th, 2015. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jacks Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. The sermon today is entitled, Living into the Brokenness. Damn, that's high praise at Park Road Baptist Church right there, okay? <laughs> If my friend, the late Dr. Bill Hull, were with us today, he might tell you, as he sometimes told the congregation in Birmingham, put on your seatbelts today. It might be a bumpy road till we get to the end. Stay with me. You know that expression, her jaw dropped? Well, it happened on Easter Sunday morning, 2003. I will never forget the look on her face. It was so exaggerated that it could not have been real, except that it was so real it could not have been exaggerated. She was sitting about a dozen rows back right here, six or eight rows back right here um, on my my right. Um, At least I know that there was one teenager that Easter morning listening to the sermon. I don't know if my statement was bold or brash, insightful or insensitive, if it was eloquence or just unexamined naivete. But if you come to church just one time a year hoping to hear something exciting, well, this probably qualified. Now, one of my convictions about sermons is that they are too important to be dumbed down by preachers, and they are too valuable to be complained about if you actually have to listen to understand one. Something worse could happen to you for 25 minutes every week. You see, the country is infatuated with those secular sermons we call TED Talks, complex and nuanced internet lectures on everything from quantum physics to economic philosophy to social science. So I know that people can listen carefully. And given the religious climate of our world, I think we need to. In that sermon in 2003, I had just quoted Craig Barnes, then pastor of National Presbyterian Church in Washington. The quotation is printed on the cover of today's bulletin. No one is ever ready to encounter Easter until he or she has spent time in the dark where hope cannot be seen. Easter is the last thing we are expecting, and that is why it terrifies us. This day is not about springtime and girls in cute dresses. It is about more hope than we can handle. And then I said, for the last few weeks, I have been asking trusted friends about resurrection. What is it? And what does it mean? And how have you experienced it? I've been asking about resurrection. And that questioning has led me to a startling conclusion. I do not believe in resurrection. Well, not fully, at least not yet. And her jaw dropped. I mean, like in the cartoons, to the floor. Well, maybe she did not hear Craig Barnes, who is now the president of Princeton Theological Seminary, explain that until you have experienced death, the absence of hope, total darkness, You cannot know the glorious surprise, the undeserved second life 
of resurrection. And I have not. And maybe she wasn't listening when I said true believing requires experience. Belief is never just an exercise of mind. Faith is more important and much more complex than a thought that resides between your ears. Albert Schweitzer, the great doctor and theologian of the last century, knew this well when he said the longest journey is the journey from your mind down to your heart. It's one thing to give intellectual assent to an idea. It's quite a different matter to trust your whole life in something. The story is told of the famed tightrope walker named Charles Blondin. I don't know if the story is true, but it makes a great sermon illustration. That was supposed to be funny there. I don't know whether it's true, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. Blondin was a spellbinding performer, and he was the first person ever to walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope on June the 30th, 1859. But it has been told that when Blondin completed several crossings, he then asked a large crowd who had gathered if they believed he could carry someone across that gorge, pushing them in a wheelbarrow. And the preacher said the crowd roared their approval. Of course you can. You're the greatest tightrope walker ever. And then Blondin asked for a volunteer to come sit in the wheelbarrow. And there was silence. You see, it's easy to say what you believe. But the Greek word for faith, pistuo, is based on a verb which means to be persuaded So faith is really more like trust. There's a component of conviction, an act of the will that is at the heart of faith. And you don't hear that in our word, believe. The conviction of that sermon, which I stand by a dozen years later, is that resurrection, not just the resurrection of Jesus, resurrection is the essential work of God. Where there is no life, God brings life. Where there is chaos, God brings order. Where there is darkness, God brings life. So I ended that sermon with this affirmation. It is my hope that I will awake one day in glory, knowing only then the ultimate surprising grace of a love that will never let us go. For because of the resurrection of Jesus and and because of the experience of many fellow pilgrims in the faith, I have no doubt that resurrection is real. No doubt that when we most need it, resurrection will come. This is my fervent hope, my Easter prayer, that the unwavering conviction of a sometimes wavering faith What shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing. 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 But then, and the same is true now, I have not yet known the darkness of death. Which is why I said then, if you have experienced resurrection, and many of you have, then you need to walk with us who have not. One day we will need your new life. I am prepared to believe, 
when that day comes. But of course, I'm not surprised that she was surprised sitting there on that Easter Sunday. For the world is accustomed to the church's loud proclamation that the resurrection is the final, ultimate proof of Jesus' divinity and the rightness of our religion. And the church has made the resurrection the final miracle, the ultimate proof that we have to believe in our heads if we want to be true. But Douglas John Hall, Emeritus Professor of Theology at McGill University, understands so much when he says this, it is the propensity of religion to avoid precisely suffering, to have light without darkness, vision without trust and risk, hope without an ongoing dialogue with despair. In short, Easter without Good Friday. But you cannot get to Easter without Good Friday. And I'm not just talking about the liturgy, and I'm not just talking about theology. There is no sense in which you can rise from the dead if you have not experienced the pain I'm sorry. I just made the mistake of looking at someone who I know has experienced the pain of death and who does know resurrection. I understand. I do understand the temptation to run an affirmation, to, to turn an affirmation of resurrection into a belief in the resurrection it would be a whole lot easier just to say we agree with something than to have to experience what it takes to know it. But that's what faith is about. Experience to know it. And unfortunately, as a colleague of mine likes to say, all true stories end in death. In one way or another, we are all going to experience it. It's the great strength of Christian faith. We do not deny life's great pain, pretend that it is some kind of illusion. We do not get a magic prayer that allows us to avoid life's tragedies. The strength of Christian faith is the poignant way we are called to recognize the real and tragic suffering in this world, our own experiences of that pain, and the powerful way that Jesus teaches us to live into that brokenness. For that is where we most personally and powerfully will find God. Guy Sales, who spoke to us last week about his ongoing, what he calls nonviolent resistance against the cancer that is residing in his own body, said to us, God is not responsible for your tragedies, but God loves us too much not to use them for our benefit. We live into the brokenness. And this is where the great creative writer with a theological message has been trying to take us. 
This is where he's been trying to take us since Mark opened his gospel, the beginning of the good news of Jesus. If we take Mark seriously and at his word, the good news is not to quote the old hymn, Jesus paid it all. That's not the atonement message Mark is offering. Yes, Jesus paid with his very life, and if we can learn from it, his death will cert- was certainly for us. But Mark wants us to know he paid in order to show us how we are to die for one another. Only as we also learn to pick up our cross and follow, only then is the work of the me- and the message of the cross complete. And only then is it really the good news it is supposed to be. It is a message to be lived, not just believed, practiced, not just preached. Mark's is the shortest of the four Gospels. It moves at the quickest pace. We dance from one scene immediately to the next, immediately to the next. So it should come, it should come as no surprise from that his narrative of death, burial, and resurrection is also the briefest. Mark gives us only 44 verses to what appears to be the very focal point of his argument This is compared to 56 verses in Matthew and 83 in Luke and 97 in the Gospel of John. But as I read it again, it seemed to me that Mark is telling his story in this way, not just because he is a concise writer. Here at the crux of his Gospel, death, burial, and resurrection all come together because they all go together. It's not far from life to death, and every funeral we attend reminds us of that fact. In the great sweep of history, it's not far from dying to being buried, perhaps forgotten, lost in the wheels of time. But Mark dares to say it's also not far to new life. If Mark's gospel has been existential from the beginning, that is, about knowing faith in the existence of our real life, not just something we believe in our heads, then his narrative of resurrection and the original ending of his gospel is also appropriate. There is no long, detailed account of exactly when Jesus rose from the dead and how, and there is not a single account of anyone actually seeing the resurrected Christ. There's just a promise and hope. Look, There is the place they laid him. Go, and you will see him. So we are left at the end of this good news story with only hope that resurrection is real. But what more do we really need? Hope will not disappoint us, the Scripture says, because faith, if we actually live it, is good news that always keeps us moving forward, looking for new life, and trusting that it will come. Life, death, resurrection, they all go together in this world and the next. And when it happens to you, resurrection will make your jaw drop too. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. 
We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you. Thank you.